Okay, here we are with Heroes of History by Will Durant. It was quite a book, good book, I would say. Uh, you could learn a lot from it. And uh, one of the first points he even makes in the book is why history is important, right? Because we can always talk about, you know, who cares about what happened in the past and all that. And you can get some pretty generic answers going along the lines that, uh, you know, you learn from the past or if the past is due to repeat ourselves, so we might as well learn from what we've already done. And those are pretty good answers as well. Uh, but one answer he, he offers in the book is basically that while history is home to all the crimes and all the bad deeds, it's also home to all the greatest and good deeds that's ever happened, right? So we can look back to the past and go look at what Aristotle, Socrates, uh, Alexander the Great, um, you know, Lao Tzu, all these great, great people who lived in our past and learn from the what some would say the greatest human beings to ever live. And that's why it's important to look back at history or one aspect of why it might be more important to look back at history. Now, I went through this book, I'm not gonna lie, I, I read probably the first two, three quarters of it, and I got a few good points, and I'm gonna share them here first. Now, the first point I got from this book is on page 38, and it's about Buddhism. Here, I'm gonna read this quote. It says, uh, I was shocked to find on the wall of the Buddhist monastery in Kandy a spacious painting showing the gentle founder of Buddhism disturbing distributing ferocious punishments in hell. When I protested against the barbarization of the idealists who had preached, let no man kill any living thing, a monk explained that unless a religion preached terror as well as virtue and bliss, it could not control the, lawlessness, the lawless individualism of mankind. Now, that what now summarize the story basically. It's a very, very peaceful religion, and even in the mural, even in the super peaceful religion, there's a hell where the, the Buddhist monk or whatever it was is torturing or dishing out some pain to bad wrongdoers, right? So even in the most peaceful religion, there's still hell and terror happening. Now, why is this important? In the book, in the, in the, in the quote, he says, says it right there. Even with the... For any religion to have uh, any effect on the lawless of mankind, we need to have some terror and some some consequences to actions. Now, to make this practical to yours in my life, and this is something that kind of relates to what Jordan Peterson says when he says to integrate your shadow is, you can't be too nice in life, all right? If you're too nice, if you're too peaceful, you're going to get walked over, right? We've all heard the story of the pushover. We might even know a pushover ourselves or maybe we can think back to a time where we were a little bit more of a pushover in our own lives and it's pretty plain to see that people will take advantage of you if you don't have the ability to bite back now this isn't to say that you should be biting back at all chances you get but it is to say that you should have the ability to attack and bite back and actually fend for yourself so to make this more so how do we do this for our life one way we can do this is to act a little bit less agreeable in instances where it warrants itself. Again, it's kind of vague. When would it warrant itself for you to be more agreeable? And uh, this isn't from this book, but what Jordan Peterson talks about a little bit is that if you, you should look at the past first off and look at times where you felt a little resentful about what happened of, over the course of the night. Like how, what events lead you to be resentful and to stop allowing that to happen, right? So let's say, for example, you're at a party and people are making jokes at your expense. And, you know, I, I do I do think that you should roll with the punches. If you can, if, especially if you're dealing with them, you should roll with the punches. 
But at a certain point, they crossed the line, and he wanted them to stop. He really wanted them to stop, and it was quite frankly out of line. But he didn't do anything, and you kept going, and you kind of were as a pushover. You know, you, you rolled with the tide, even though you really didn't want to. That's a time where you should start biting, right? That's a time where you stand up for yourself, be a little less agreeable, be a little bit more disagreeable, and a little uh, conf- confrontational. You know, you know, uh, basically dish out the punishment. Obviously, it's not. Dish out the harshness or else you're going to get walked over all the time and people will take advantage of you. And the same is true for organizations, religions, and all that nature. Now the next quote is from page 52 and it's from ancient Egypt. And uh, honestly, I think I'm just going to summarize what happened here. But basically, uh, I'll read a little bit, okay? So basically, just to preface it, there's a new uh, pharaoh king of Egypt. His name is Akhenaton. I'm probably destroying that name, but Akhenaton, and here's what he he does to religion. Um, Okay, Akhenaton, thou did establish the words and raise them up from thy son Akhenaton. Confident of his new religion, the emperors, he ordered that the names of all gods but Aton should be carved or blotted out from every public place in Egypt. He cut out from his father's name the word Amon, and being a deity now dead, he declared all creeds illegal but his own. The official hierarchy fumed and plotted the people seeing Akhenaton monotheism, monotheism as a wholesale slaughter of the gods, muttered and rebelled. And basically he gets killed or something. I don't know how he died, he didn't really say, but it says he was a terrible ruler. And why this is really important, and it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's just a good lesson to refresh your mind on, is that people have very deep values, and most people don't want to be forcibly changed. Now, there's a bias name for this. I think it's, it might be the reaction bias, or I'm not sure the exact bias, but what we have to see is that changing people forcibly, especially, especially as a tyrant that he was kind of acting as, is, is not going to get you the result that you wish, right? make this practical for your life you want somebody to do something right maybe you want to go uh you want to go on a date with somebody or maybe you want to uh convince somebody to go to the movie with you kind of the same thing but just forcing them to go making them go say you're coming with me no matter what maybe it's your kid you're getting the car like you don't have a choice just go you're coming at the end of it that will lead to rebellion a better way for uh for you to create change and is to have them want to actually do it themselves right Instead of, you can't you can't make a horse drink water, you can only lead it to the stream. Uh, kind of the same idea. You don't want to, you can't, you don't want to force your kid's head into the car or the horse's head underwater and make them drink. You want to make them drink on their own, right? So the saying goes, well, you can't, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink, but you can put salt on their lips and make them thirsty. Same idea. Try to use a little bit more persuasion. Don't be so uh, tyrannical. Don't be so controlling and you will get better results overall. People will like you more too. Next quote, page 69. Ooh, 69. <laughs> but uh, it's about, what is it about? Oh, this is a good one actually. Page 69, I'll read it really quickly. Um, Strife, competition, is the father of all and the kin of all. Some he has marked out to be gods and some to be men. Some he made slaves and some free. In the end, Heraclitus concluded, strife, competition, is justice. 
The competition of individuals, groups, institutions, states, and empires constitutes nature's supreme court from whose verdict there is no appeal. That's the most important line. The competition of individuals, groups, institutions, states, and empires constitutes nature's supreme court from whose verdict there is no appeal. I said it twice how important it was. But what this means is, and this is a saying that I got from Ty Lopez, and it's a really good saying too. I always think of it. And it's nature laughs last. He got it from his mentor, Joel Salton. It's a whole other story. But what does it mean when I say nature laughs last is basically that you can want things to be certain ways and you can you can uh you can will it but in the end only nature the laws of physics the laws of nature you know the things that are happening over and over and we have no control over laugh last and one of the rules of nature is competition right and there's a that's what the theory of natural selection is based on and we can get into the you know if you want to argue on that but it's pretty there's a lot of truth to what that they're saying there and Basically, what, what that means to be practical in our lives is we have to realize that our lives are in constant competition all the time as well, right? It, we're in competition with others to have, you know, if you want to go out with a certain girl, there might be a lot of guys that want to go out with this girl, you know? If you want to if you want to get a certain job, there's going to be a lot of applicants trying to get the job that you're trying to get as well. There's competition everywhere you look. If you want to make a lot of money, well, a lot of people want to make a lot of money. How, how are you going to beat them? You have to win in the Supreme Court of Nature and obviously business is a little bit different than nature, but the idea holds true that you got to play by the rules of the game and you got to win through competition, right? You can't, just because you have to face somebody else, it's not a good idea to, uh, to run away and to, and to submit. We got to realize in our life that life is competition. It's okay to be competitive to a point. I mean, you know, some people might argue that you can be too competitive, but you have to understand in the end, most things are going to come down to competition and to get to the top, you're 100% going to have to compete with somebody else, something else to get there. Um, another point I got from this book, I don't have a quote here. And honestly, I read this book maybe a week ago. So it's a little bit later that I'm making this, uh, oops, I'm making this, uh, uh, you know, video, but one of the things I realized in this book, it seems that a lot of these civilizations have these, acts to purify their soul their body you know whether it's being you know going to confession or going to cleanse their body drinking some sort of tea and i noticed that we still have a lot of these acts today and i just thought it was kind of noteworthy uh, i'm not sure what's going on here i would guess that there's some sort of placebo effect that really is beneficial for us and uh you know if you can create your own act of purification that works for you it might be for the betterment of your own life although that's i, I i'm not really I'm not really sure about that. Um, now, the last thing I got here is from page 76. I'm not even going to read the quote, but basically what happens is there's a guy named Solomon in Athens, and he creates a new law, right? Athens is going to, it's going, it's going downhill. Excuse me. And uh, basically they hire Solomon as a politi political guy to reinstitute Athens, make a whole bunch of laws and yada, 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 you know. And what he does is he reforms the whole city and makes a whole bunch of laws. And I will read the quote. And here's here's what he says about. Here's what he says when somebody asks him. He says, uh, "Here, he says basically radicals criticize Solon, Solomon for failing to establish equality of possessions and power. Conservatives denounce them for admitting the commons to the franchise in the courts. 
and his friend Anarchus, the winsome Cynthian sage, laughed at the new constitution, saying that now the wise would plead and the fools would decide. And then later on, he goes on to say, Solon accepted all this criticism genuinely, genially. I don't even know what that word is. Accepted all this criticism, acknowledging the imperfection of his code. Asked if he had given the Athenians the best laws, he answered no, but the best they would receive. And then he goes on, the best like the conflicting groups could get and still work together. Now, why is this important? You know, we've all heard the story of basically where it goes on along. You can't please everybody. That's the, that's the moral of the story you can take from here. But there's another moral you can take from here, right? And that's uh, we ourselves might be not taking laws that we should be taking, right? And what does that mean? There are things that we have to do to become successful or whatever it is that we want to be successful at. Whether it's, uh, whether it's having the best relationship, whether it's being the most healthy person you can be, whether it's being able to bench press your own body weight, or whether it's being able to make a lot of money. There are rules to this game, and it's quite possible that we don't know, or we don't know that we're not following them, and we have convictions of our own that force us unconsciously to avoid these rules and do what we want instead. Now, how do we make this practical? Basically, have an open mind, right? Don't don't have convictions. I think Nietzsche in his book he said, convictions are the enemies to uh, the truth even more than lies, and that's the reason for this is you can disprove a lie. You can tell, you can show the opposite side, the truth, and the lie vanishes. With a conviction, he can show the truth, but a conviction holds true no matter what, because that's what you believe, and nothing else can change your belief. Don't or at least try not to have too many convictions in your life because it's a very dangerous price that we pay from holding convictions. That's all I got from this book. It, uh, it's a really good book. It's, uh, it's a very it's a condensed form of history, basically. It goes through every, uh, not every, but a lot of the different ages that we lived through. Um, I re do recommend giving it a read. I didn't I didn't finish it, so I can't really talk too much about the ending. I kind of, I, I got a little too bored with it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I got really excited. I started reading Exploring the World of Lucid Dreaming. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a talk on it just because it's it's a little bit of a different type of book. But maybe I will. You know, we'll never see. We will see. Not never see. So uh, that's it for today. And as always, have a good day.